Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The B-Side for the Film Stage. As always and as ever, I'm Dan Mecca, joined today with my good friend Connor O'Donnell. Connor, how are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, this is fun to intro this episode. So this is a conversation, lovely conversation with... um, our first cinematographer uh, for the B-Side podcast. Um, and it's the great Darius Walski, who you know his work. Um, Darius Walski, ASC, baby. Yes, exactly. Um, so Darius Walski has done the likes. He's filmed lens, like lit the likes of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, he... Ha, worked with Alex Proyas early on in films like The Crow and Dark City, which are iconic for their look now and were then. I mean, they were regarded highly then as well, but have only I, I would I would I would wager have only grown in estimation with time. And and we do talk with him about Dark City a bit uh, in our conversation with him. Um, and then he's also just you know, and we obviously we, we talk about B sides with Darius, but but even more recently. He's worked a decent amount with Ridley Scott. Um, he's filmed like for Alien Covenant, for example, All the Money in the World, which is a past B-side, which we talk about. The with Martian. Him. The Martian. Atheist, and yeah. then and any sort of late, late, current, late stage era Ridley Scott is basically Wolski. And we yeah, and we get some pretty fun info on the two his his two most recent projects. Are Ridley Scott movies, which are are meant to come out, I believe, next year, both of them. So yeah, if you've been one of the people who's been kind of like giggling on Twitter in sort of a semi-ironic fun way at some of the images coming out of uh, coming out of the Gucci project, uh, House of Gucci, yeah. yeah, House of Gucci. Just know that that you know our boy Wolski is is on the front lines. That's of that it right now, and uh, as you'll hear. He, uh, you know, he's talking to us from uh, from location on that one, so it's kind of fun. And and he says some pretty exciting things about the other Ridley Scott film they just only just finished recently, uh, right before House of Gucci started, which is The Last Duel, mm-hmm. uh, starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer. I think with a little with with a smaller role from Ben Affleck, um, which we talk about a little bit at the end of our uh, Ben Affleck episode from uh, fifteen years ago. Um, <laughs> yes, a, de- a, dec- a decade Be- and because a half I believe ago last time with, with we talked, yeah, last time we talked about it with our dear friend Marie Barty, uh, I don't think any of us knew what was coming. But uh, yeah, and seriously, that, but and I, I think it was before it was even put on hold in any capacity. No, I think yeah. it just started. Yeah, when we, we at that point. Um, but yeah, so we talk about a lot of stuff. We focus. It's pretty freewheeling conversation. We talk a decent amount about Romeo is Bleeding, which was one of his first kind of high-profile features. We didn't get a chance to talk about Nightfall, which is his first credited feature. He references like early arts, artsy features that nobody saw. Nightfall would be one of them. Um, it's on Prime. I watched it. I, 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 I wanted to mention it, but then it was like we were talking about more interesting things, and I just was like, sure. I don't want to. I mean, no one knows that movie. It's just kind of, he, he would have been like, oh, yeah, I made it. It was, you know, I don't know what he would have said that would have been overly, you know. He's a very matter-of-fact guy. He's a very nice guy. He gets to the he gets to the heart of the matter quickly, which I think is great. Um, you know, 
the main thing we got to mention is the reason he's the reason for the season, as it were, is he has just been nominated for his first Oscar uh, for very deservedly and long time coming for um, News of the World, the Paul Greengrass Western starring Tom Hanks. Um, and we obviously talk a bit about that. And we should just mention as we were recording and as you're listening, News of the World is now available, you know, uh, on demand, on Blu-ray, on 4K. Anywhere and everywhere uh, is currently out and about and available. Um, and I, I will say, I can't recommend it enough. No, I mean, I, I know, Connor, you, you, you watched it recently. I watched it right before our conversation with him. And listener, I think, I think by now, if you're a longtime listener, you know, I think where mine and Dan's tastes kind of skew, generally speaking. So if you found that those tastes align in any capacity, you would, you would do well to seek it out. I think, generally speaking, it's uh it's the it's a kind of movie that I think is pretty successful on on a bunch of fronts. Um not without maybe a couple sticking points, but generally speaking, I think uh a really really good movie. It is just under a clean 2 hours, which is great. And yeah. uh as we mentioned, it it does I mean the 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 way it looks is uh is one of the most notable things about it. So Wolski getting nominated um is I think more than deserved. So <laughs> Well, and I mentioned in our chat with Darius, um, for my money, it's one of, if not the most beautiful film from 2020. And I, uh, that's not just me putting it on, for, you know, for our, you know, guest. I mean, I really, he achieves things in that movie that feel new to his ovoir, like his his career. Mm -hmm, they sure. feel new to his tool tool, you know, belt, and also and by um, proxy we. Paul Greengrass is a little bit right. Like it, you know, I think he achieves this kind of very interesting thing of yes, shoot, exactly. shoot, shooting what one would expect a Paul Greengrass movie to look like, but, but also just, you know, kind of handling it and wrangling it, uh, totally differently. So, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a super, it's an interesting film. It's a great looking film. Um, and, um, I'm happy he, uh, he's at least getting the recognition for it. Yeah, so we talk about a lot. Uh, there's also A Perfect Murder, which is the kind of soft remake of The Island for Murder from 1998, directed by Andrew Davis, starring Michael Douglas and Gwyneth Paltrow and Viggo Mortensen that we talk about. Um, that's a fun one. And I think, yeah, I mean, look, we want to be doing more of these, and we are doing more of these. And I think what's exciting, especially with a guy like Darius Wolski, is they're talking about the craft talking about the collaboration we do spend a lot of time talking about the counselor mm -hmm. which is another really scott movie he made that's a great conversation you know an underseen movie that i think me and connor both consider you know us a, a mild masterpiece right so there's a lot of chat about that and i think you know you can glean a lot from his his answers and his commentary and he's pretty honest about talking about like you know Chris Nolan's Chris Nolan's love of film, and if that's misplaced or not, or you know the early films of Quentin Tarantino, and whether or not they looked very good. Spoil spoiler alert: the, you know the consensus uh, on the podcast is they didn't, even though they were obviously they're great movies. You know they, his his movies would go on to look better as 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 he kept working and um, Tarantino. I mean, so yeah, there's some great nuggets. Um, I think. 
you know, what else do we want to say about Wolski just to kind of prep people? I, you know, I want, we want I mean, to he, jump into the episode. Yeah, but. we'll we'll get into it. We do talk about his roots, kind of in in the music, uh, the music video world. I mean, you can go ahead, listener, and look at his uh, his pedigree online. I mean, a slew of of notable, memorable music videos. He does kind of talk about coming up with Alex Perez and David Fincher. Uh, and Gore Verbinski, like in that time, kind of doing commercials, doing music videos and that kind of thing. He has a lot of, like you said, Dan, very matter of fact insights about working in that world and why they were doing it and that kind of stuff. Um, so that I think is super interesting, especially from a place where I feel like you don't um, maybe it's a little different when you consider cinematographers, but at least insofar as filmmakers or directors, I feel like it's not necessarily as much of a pathway you you hear about quite as much um, anymore. In well, certainly not yet. Yeah, step I mean, into filmmaking and that kind of thing. So he he has a lot of very matter of fact things to say about that, which he, I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's definitely you know, and he mentions this coming up in the 80s into the 90s as he did with the likes of Preuss and Fincher and, and, you know, as we're talking about this, yeah, music videos were, that was a heyday. I mean, that was high budgets for, you know, you know, four minute music videos, you know, and parlaying the tricks and the looks and the cheats and the, you know, solves and everything from those punchy pieces of work and you know applying them to romeo's bleeding and the crow and dark city and mm -hmm. right and so he talks openly about that and i think it's interesting to listen to yeah look i mean that's the thing i like talking to the cra craftsmen who are artists in their own right because i think so often you know outside of awards chatter and and whatnot um not enough is discussed not enough Maybe I feel like writers talk plenty, I guess, but like writers, cinematographers, I mean, hell, like I editors. would love to talk with editors. I would love to talk. Yeah. Well, for example, speaking of Ridley, because because I was watching some Ridley um, in preparation, Pietro Scalia would, would yeah. love to talk with him. You know, he's one of the great editors, Walter Murch, right? Like yeah. those guys were. You know, they're collaborating, they're listening to the director, but they're making decisions as well. Like we and there's know, a, Coates and, yeah. um, you know, just so many great people come to mind um i think it's sorry, also no 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 and i think you know part of something that we I, you know i not to get into too deep into it but i think it's something that you and i maybe kind of fall in the middle of the road on in terms of how much we champion it versus how much we maybe rail against it with movies like uh the certain ones that we cover on this podcast but like it's you know so much is made of auteur theory and auteurism uh, the, and we apply right. it and we apply it to almost everything, even when we don't think about how we're doing it. Right. You know, I, you know, I even did it two minutes ago just by m mentioning sort of the look and feel of a Paul Greengrass movie. Right. But really that does come down to the Darius Wolskis of the world as much as it does the Paul Greengrasses of the world. Right. Um, and, and I think highlighting that, yeah. that very close level level of collaboration, I think, is always interesting because you can kind of get lost in the uh, in the a so and so film of it all, you know. If, if yeah, you're of specific and, and I think something we talk with Darius about, which comes through, and 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 this will be the last thing we say before we uh, flip over to the interview, is he is a 
creative person who to watch his films that he's lit and you know filmed quite literally um is to watch a chameleon i mean he has developed looks in your dark cities that are very specific but in not every movie he's a part of you know you're not necessarily hiring him for that look right like mm-hmm. you're getting a taste of maybe some of those ideas in a movie like the mexican you know which he makes three years later yeah but obviously there are parts of the mexican that are shot for comedy and are very bright and like totally different right and then right. you know news of the world is this kind of beautiful nod to western's past while utilizing digital photography so brilliantly Mm -hmm. that is obviously a very modern thing so it's like we talk about a shootout a a wonderful shootout that's in the middle of news of the world and that shootout and the decisions the choices of the frames and the camera you use there john ford would not have been able to do that right like right and that yeah i'm not saying because john ford sucks i'm saying because it was you know walski is taking from the greats applying what's available to him and there's no like you know there's no there's no shame you know in in hybrid theory you know what I mean? sure, which i sure. think is, is 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 quite quite lovely so anyway connor i'll pass it back to you to jump into our talk and uh we will we will kind of close out after our after the interview's over yeah 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 i mean so without further ado uh here's our talk with the first time oscar nominee for news of the world Darius Wolski. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining. Me and Connor are absolutely delighted to be joined with uh, the great Darius Wolski, who uh, it was just nominated for an Oscar for News of the World. Darius, how are you? Good. I'm fine. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I have to say, so so on on the day the nominees got announced, I was personally so excited because you're someone I've you know I've admired your work for a long time, and and this is your first Academy Award nomination, and News of the World, um, which uh, everybody listening probably knows, directed by Paul Greengrass, starring Tom Hanks. Um, it's for my money. It's got to be the best looking movie of the year. I mean, it's it's so there's so much going on in it. We'll talk to you about it, obviously. And to and it felt like the perfect moment. I was like, I hope this is what gets him nominated, and it happened. So I'm just I was I was very pleased on amongst all the nominations, and obviously a very weird year. It was nice to have that pleasant surprise. Um, so I guess just jumping off, we'll talk about news of the world for a minute. I mean, this is your first movie with Paul Greengrass. Um, how does it come about? What drew you to it? Obviously, it's a Western. That's exciting. Um, just if you can talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, Paul reached out to me and I've known Paul, Paul's work and I found it just interesting. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's really, it's just challenge to do, to work with somebody who comes from like a very strong documentary background and but in the same time, it's a Western, it's well cast. It's a very interesting story. It's a modern approach to Western. And and with my early conversation with Paul, uh, he wanted to make it kind of politically relevant. He wanted to make the film that kind of reflects the divided society of what we're dealing with now uh, without preaching, without being very kind of, you know, uh, 
political about it, but so hopefully that reflects in the film. So that draw me into it too. And Paul's style draw me into it, cast draw me into it, and 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 you know, simple fact it's a Western, you know. It's one of backlist, you know, like you want to oh, right. the space movies, the boat movies or yeah, wow. Western is such a kind of a, yeah, like you said, a checklist for any cinematographer. It's such a kind of an open canvas in so many ways. All, the, all those things together, you know, it's great. Yeah, no, of course. Connor, did you want to ask, like like Darius said, the, the Paul Greengrass of it all, if you wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, so I actually, I, I loved the, the movie, obviously the way that it looked, um, but something that did strike me uh, is that it does look very different from a lot of other uh Paul Greengrass films was it I have to ask was it difficult to introduce Paul to a tripod <laughs> there was no tripod actually I haven't introduced him to a tripod no <laughs> uh, I just introduced him to better operators I'm there sorry. you go there you go I do I do no, it's not about, it's not about go ahead there was a sandbag there was always something to rest here <laughs> uh no, the movie is still handheld when you think of it. Yeah. It's still handheld. Everything is handheld. It's just subdued. You know, there's this whole misconception about handheld camera. I mean, Chinatown is handheld too. Right, you know? right, so, right, right, right. Yeah. So if if the camera's not shaking, it's looking at me handheld, you know. Well, uh, and you know, uh, it's funny, Darius, we were talking before you jumped on, um, in in news of the world and i know we want to jump into to your larger career but you know the sequence where um uh uh they are in those kind of caves and the bad men are, are, are trying to capture the girl. And it's essentially a gun, a gunfight. That's a great example of what you're talking about, where it's obviously there's a, there, it's handheld and it's very malleable what you're doing there, but the way you build the tension with the camera is so impressive. If, if, you, if you just can talk about that for a second, that's the, one of the most impressive kind of sequences in the film. For my well, money. How is it? Look, right. It, it, you know, it's, I mean, it was Paul, Paul it was a Paul's idea too. I mean, the, the great thing about the good shootout is all the bullets you don't fire, not the ones that you fire. Mm. Because we're so used to having those, you know, people running with guns that they have like this infinite magazines that can shoot 3,000 rounds. And, and, uh, and because of digital technology, because of all the influence of, of those big action movies and, when everything is impossible and entering the world of complete fantasy, these cars are flying from the car, from <laughs> airplanes, and they have infinite amount of bullets. So, you know, all of a sudden you slow it down, there's like there's a guy and a girl, and they have only X amount of bullets, and that's what the tension is. It's not about amount of action you put in, it's about the context of your action, you know. So, I mean, no, that's what's right. You know? And, that's why this thing and and you added you had a grand a grand landscape. We spent quite a bit of time finding it, and actually our stunt uh, coordinators found the location, and uh, that was that was just great, you know. And it was all for real, yeah. Everything was for real, and uh, we staged ourselves in different like first as if one layer, then another layer, and then finally we get the top of the mountain. It was pretty well designed, yeah, and um, a lot of hiking, a lot of. <laughs> Yeah. No. And the, the, you know, the real space shows, of course, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, it, you know, um, I think that's in shorter supplies these, these days, depending on, you know, the, the movie. And I think, 
real locations and kind of real set pieces is kind of a it's a treat it's a treat a lot of the times because there's so much kind of other I'm elements glad, to play. I'm glad that people actually notice that that's important because sometimes you get to the point that you just don't know you know right because you can do so much digitally you know i never forget when when i did pirate for first pirates we shot the boat at night and and my son was at the time probably 11 or something his friend comes oh there was all blue screen i said no it was bloody fucking we were at sea <laughs> and something spectacular has to be blue screen i mean that's that's the generation well because- you know it's it's funny you bring up pirates <laughs> you know i know we're, t- we're talking about b-sides and so i don't want to get too deep into pirates but you know we're talking to this being your first Oscar nomination, and it's. I recently rewatched those first three Pirates movies, and I know you actually you actually shot the shot the uh, fourth with Rob Marshall as well. But those first three with Gore, uh, Verbinski, people don't. You're so right about that. I've had this conversation with friends. People don't realize like when they're running on the the in the second one when they're running on the the, the wheels. Wheel, yeah. I mean that was right. I mean maybe you can. That's yeah. real. I mean you did that for months, right, or weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But we did it. We did it. We put it still. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, it's impressive just to know that that's something that happened. <laughs> you know? No, Gore is exceptional in terms of pushing, pushing, pushing everything to the limit. Yeah. Now, let's just jump way back and maybe if you, if you would indulge us. Um, so you start, and you can obviously correct, correct me here, but by all accounts, from what I've read, you know, you make a, your early mark in music videos, right? And then um, in the 90s, you kind of, things like The Crow, Alex Preuss's movie, right? Um, Romeo is Bleeding, right? Those kind of movies in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, you begin to make your mark visually. Uh, how did that all kind of come together for you from the music videos and then into the future films? Well, you know, it was, a, you know, first of all, I went to film school. Mm-hmm. Then I struggled in New York trying to pay rent, so I did everything pretty much, you know, as close to film industry as possible. You know, lighting, focus pulling, low budget, really low budget, New York City. Shot a couple art art movies that were so art that nobody's ever seen them. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but you're always trying to shoot something, and then you come to Los Angeles because you broke. You can get a job in LA and. You have a more focus pulling jobs in LA and, and then music video world starts. So when I entered music videos, music videos were at this at the, at the peak of its creativity. But a lot of directors who were doing music videos at the time were just basically uh they came from basically knowing the band. If you knew the band, if you were going to a club, you just became a director. You know? uh, and I was the generation that was also film educated, you know, so you just, and, uh, and there was David Fincher who came from ILM. So he was very technically educated. He knew what filmmaking is about. And, and then there was Alex Proyas who came from Australian film school. And we were all basically, we were all trying to make a movie. So the music videos were just excuse. It was the only place they could hire us. So that's what we were doing. So uh, I remember having my reel that I used to have. We, we were so embarrassed that we did, did videos that we just cut the band out and did all the sto- dramatic stories and put some soundtracks so it looked like actually making movies. You know? <laughs> I love that. So, so we were just all, everyone was focused on making films. And, and when the crow happened, now, first, Romeo's Bleeding happened. And yep. by that time, I had a pretty good commercial career because all of a sudden, because of the videos were so popular that 
advertisers say, oh, we have to hire those kids because, you know, if you want to sell shoes or Pepsi, we better hire the guys who are doing music videos. So that's why we walked into advertising being pretty arrogant and, and non-compromising. And it was a great time. <laughs> Well, uh, you were, you know, it was funny. You were part of those because I was kind of rewatching a lot of the music videos and, and some of the commercials just in preparation. You were part of some of those Levi's commercials, right? That Fincher did that were kind of, they're like weird commercials. Did, they're kind of cool. I did two spots with David, yeah, on, with, with Levi. You know, we did one with, yeah. So they were like little movies, you know, that's what they were. They're cool. And, yeah. And we're doing like with Proyas, I mean, we did this American Express commercials that, you know, what happens with Thief steals your American Express with Carl Walden narrating. And there's some basic overshot is basically exercise for the crowd, you know, nights, yeah. <laughs> bars, and you know, some feats and stuff. Yeah. But I'm not sure the agency kept their account <laughs> after that, but hey. It was a different, care. yeah, it was a different time. I mean, the people our, were trying, our, trying new things. Our philosophy was, wasn't to stay in commercial business. It's just to use it as springboard to go somewhere else, you know. And it was a much more interesting time, yeah. And then, and then of course, I was noticed by the first movie was Romeo. And Romeo's movie was funny because producers said to me, well, you know, I had like a really good commercial at the time, like top. I did like, I had like really top commercials. And well, if you know how to make 30 seconds for a million dollars, how do you make a... $12 million movie. I said, well, I mean, it's just, so that, that was the thing we had to overcome because we were just kids who made this incredible images for a lot of money. So, so Romeo was the first movie that I had to, you know, prove myself that, you know, that you fast and you can deliver it. Yeah, and, and for people who, you know, so Romeo's Bleeding is, is uh, Peter Medek uh, directed that one, and it came out, that was a weird, that was a strange time. I mean, that came out right before Pulp Fiction, but right around kind of, you know, Love and a 45, like a lot of movies, Natural Born Killers. It was kind of, right, would you say, would you say there was kind of a, a style vibe happening in that time? It, right, it kind of fit, was, fit in that. I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of that. I was just doing my thing. Oh, yeah, I was, no, 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 totally. Was, yeah, yeah. I was probably more impressed with uh, what Gary did movie before state of grace and that there was visually there was jordan uh Cronenworth, and that was beautiful oh my god state of the phil juno movie is uh, state yeah. of grace oh i love that movie yeah it's a so, beautiful movie so that was like yeah so i came in after that so that was that, that that's what i was aware of i wasn't aware of a tarantino tarantino movies didn't look that good i have to say that they were perfectly written but they didn't look that great right right yeah no i don't think you're wrong about that no i think and you're right romeo's bleeding has a very specific uh look to it and i think and it's funny you're saying this and maybe you can talk a little about this so, so you're making these commercials and these music videos and you're playing you get to play with you know you have these healthy budgets and you get to almost experiment right to some degree with the different whatever film stocks lenses what have you and then you're bringing what you're learning right to some degree into the crow and then to ultimately into dark city right and these these kind of the budgets for the for the movies to get bigger as well that, that's what it was yeah there was one everything was like a big rehearsal you know Everything was big rehearsal to what eventually was Crow and Dark City. Yeah. No, me... that, yeah, because we we've done so many commercials together and and uh, Crow was going on and off. So he he had a Dark City script already, so he wanted to go back to Dark City. So we were just and and thank God I did Romeo's bleeding because it was also very, you know, 
it was very difficult for us to break into film. So, so I, I had a kind of, I was okay by completion bond company. It happened to be the same completion bond company. So that's fine because it would be very risky to have a first time director and first time DP on the film, on the film. So, so I had already, I was okay by some bankers or something, you know, so <laughs> that's, how I got, that's how that's, I got to do the yeah, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, so for people listening who might not know, completion bond companies are it's basically insurance. Right, you probably know this if you're listening, but you know, films cost a lot of money, and there's a lot of elements. So there's a lot of kind of insurance in the background. So in, in the independent world, yeah, yeah, in the, yeah, in the independent world, right. So, so I have to ask this: right around the time Dark City comes out, you make a perfect murder with Andrew Davis, which is. Mm-hmm. You know, a loose reimagining of Dial in for Murder. I, I, this might be sacrosanct to people. If I'm being honest, I think I prefer Perfect Murder. <laughs> I know Dial M is Hitchcock and I love Hitchcock, but the choices made in, in The Perfect Murder are very fun. It's a perfect cast. Um, and I just have to ask this because you have the Dial M, you know, as the background, did you and Andrew Davis have discussions? Like, did you talk about replicating the famous Grace Kelly reaching back shot? Was there conversations about that? Or you just said, let's forget about that. Forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought. Yeah. And I forget good. about that. No, you can't. You can't just, yeah. You, yeah. You don't remake movies. You just have, you, have, you make a take on them. That's all. Yeah. People and I think. Remake the movie. That was fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's the right way. And I think that's, that I think I, I in preparation for this, I actually I rewatched that movie, and uh, I I think that mentality is kind of present throughout the whole movie. It seems, and it serves the movie better. Kind of to your point, Dan, like it just uh, obviously opening up the movie right <laughs> outside of a, a single room or or, or whatnot, but um, it just op- opens it up into a completely but that, different movie. Quite, quite interesting, quite interesting to talk about it because Dalem for Murder is this experiment that Hitchcock did with one day, right? Am I correct? Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he, course, did, he did it with one, uh, like one location. I think rope, you're thinking of rope, rope here. Is rope is the, is the. I'm talking about a rope. Mm-hmm. Rope. Yeah, rope is one thing. It just shows you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in rope, it's amazing. Just going back to those one shot movies, which are getting very popular now. Uh, when you read the interview with Truffaut and, and, and Hitchcock, inter, uh, Truffaut interviewing Hitchcock, what he says that I made this film and it was an en- interesting idea, but I would never do it again because the power of the movie is that with one cut you can be in Paris and another cut you can be in New York. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the power of the cinema. So, I mean, this is kind of to all the guys who are now making one take movies. <laughs> God bless them, but you know. It's you're basically designing a story just to make it in one shot, right? Instead yeah, you're, of you're you're constricted by it, yeah, and having a great story and try to find a way to make it. Anyway, um, so that's a digression. <laughs> no, no, and I think look, but it's an interesting actually segue. One thing that I, I take an opinion that you have that I find refreshing is, you know, there is so much love of of film and celluloid obviously and as we get more and more into you know 4k 8k reds alexas whatever i do love how you've said in past interviews you know people 
look back at film, but they forget that there was always a new film stock and there was always a new, you know, Zeiss lens or something. And there was always, a, and I just, maybe if you want to just take a minute, talk about kind of, you've been doing this for a, for a long time now and you've obviously mastered in so many ways, but you've had to evolve with the technology. How has that experience been? I mean, have you discovered new elements of sculpting light with the digital or how has that kind of experience been? Yeah, I mean, film was great. The world has moved on, and uh, there's some people who, for nostalgic reason, hang on to it. Uh, God bless them. Uh, uh, let them do it. But uh, basically, the digital technology just came to the point that it's that is incredible, and 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 we have uh, basically it's liberating. That's what it is. And also, it reflects in what's going, what's happening in the cinema now. It's like, that's why you see, for example, television being so good looking now. Although it's in TV, that's where it is. It's young cinematographers are doing amazing work, you know. I mean, kudos to them. I mean, it's just like, wow. There's going to be a whole bunch of them who are going to be overlighting, but there's few who figure it out that you can just push this thing so far and capture images that were just impossible, you know. And and for us who've done movies with negative at sleepless nights and and, and push, we're pushing it to the extreme and making it dark, you know, like right now it's amazing. You can just go so far. You can go away for it. And it's it's incredible, you know, so enjoy it. I mean, enjoy it. If you have a if you have a better brush and better paint, why not use it, you know? Right. Do you get where you said overlighting, which is interesting because I think what you run into with the streaming sometimes because of the way internet connections work, right? A common thing is to see overlighting be a, a fail safe, right? For a lot of whatever TV shows and whatnot, just because if, does that worry you as like a, a style that's going to, you know, take away from texture and kind of shadows and stuff like that in the future or, or no? Well, I mean, it's what do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what do you do? Like, look at, I mean, when I look at you, you have, we have a light outside the window and it's a great quality. You know, it's like, it's fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure some people would put some, some putting some white cards or fills, but you know, it's great. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Just everyone should embrace it. It's liberating. Also, it allows kids, I mean, young people, independent people to make, make movies and that are good looking. Like, you know, the worst excuse is when film is horrible looking at someone's oh, because I didn't have any money. I mean, that's not an excuse now. Right. Technology is so amazing. I mean, that that it's it's basically it's 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 all amounts to your eye, you know, and your aesthetics. That's all it is. It's not about it's not about it's 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 not about being technically capable of doing certain things. Uh it's just how you how you see stuff. And uh yeah, I mean, I think it's extremely liberating. And uh, I mean, just like the, the movie I'm doing now, I'm actually, I got, because, you know, in the beginning when the digital technology comes, so you want to push it as far as you can and, 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 and see how far you can stretch it. And you realize you can stretch it so far. So now, which is like the movie I'm making now, I'm just basically created this lot that's very limiting that's like i'm just going like okay let's make it just so it's like 50 to 47 so there's mm -hmm. no latitude so you have to kind of deal with that uh 
So, and it still looks great. I mean, it's, it's just to, for answer to people who still, you know, think film and IMAX is fucking revolutionary. Last movie I did, last movie on film I did was in 16 mil. Hmm. And not because of budget, it's because of this is going to be my last chance to shoot film and just might as well see how far I can push that, you know. Which movie was that? Dear? It's called Ram, Ram, Ram Diary. Oh, wow, really? It's Super oh, 16. Man. I had no that's great. That's fascinating. Yeah, Rum Diary is, is a beautiful movie. I mean, that's Bruce Robinson, um, uh, Johnny Depp, obviously, Passion Project for a long time. That's definitely a B-side in the sense of just kind of hyped yeah. up, came out, didn't, unfortunately, wasn't overly well seen, but but an exciting movie that exists, you know, just as a yeah. reference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not a bad blood because of now. That's oh, sure, a, yeah. But, but, uh, but it was shot on 16 mil. Wow, so, that's fascinating. So it's like, you know, that all this argument, the movie has to be done this way or that way, it has to be for, I'm sorry, this is for Chris Nolan, I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a message, it's a message yeah. for when Chris uh, listens. Yeah. yeah. So, everything, but, you know, Vermeer paintings were small and beautiful. So it's like, it's what you do with it. Well, yeah, that's, you know, it reminds me, I don't want to, but, but Ethan Hawke has this great story about when they made before the devil knows you're dead and they, 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 you know, they filmed it on, it's, you know, hard digital. It's very kind of grainy, um, prosumer digital, right. Is how yeah. that movie was shot. They complained him and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman complained to Sidney Lumet, like, Oh, we were hoping we could do this on grainy film, you know, like in the movies made in the seventies and Sidney Lumet was like, guys, give it a decade and people are going to watch this movie. Like, it was shot on beautiful, grainy film. And that's exactly when you go back and you watch Before the Devil Knows the Jedi, you're like, ah, the old days when there was prosumer <laughs> digital, different time. It's it's true. I mean, Sidney Lumet, got, rest in peace, was was 100% right. It feels like a nostalgic look. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It went through so many stages. I mean, like, amazing. Yeah. Is it something, do you ever think about it retrospectively? I mean, obviously you've had, uh, you know, you've been fortunate enough to work with both Scott brothers uh in your in your career um is it something when you look back at like either your work on crimson tide or the fan versus some of the stuff you're doing with ridley now would you have embraced it back then if you could have mm, it's hard to say you know it's, it's there's different times you know there's different you know there is there is the 90s look it's kind of look mm. it's getting a little jaded you know there of course there are classics they're brilliant and but certain stuff is a little bit jaded and uh uh, we do, you know, we do different things, you know, now. So, you know, it's, you do certain things in your life, you know, and then mm -hmm. you're different later in your life. Yeah. I saw you were, you were, uh, yeah. I think it was an interview yeah. with, I'm just pulling it up just so I get it right with Shelly Johnson, I think with this news, of the world, and you were talking about, um, I might be conflating interviews. Anyway, you're talking about you're proud of elements of Dark City with like the lights and the lamps, right? Looking back, you were saying like there are elements of Dark City that like at the time you weren't maybe aware of maybe how important that was. But like, so that must be part of it, right? It's kind of looking back, things might feel old or, you know, dated, no, but it, other things might feel. Sorry. No, no, story about, story about Dark City is that that it was actually after fan when we had to deal with sodium vapor lights because we had no choice. Right. And when I when we were designing movie on stage, I said let's just bring the street lights 
and put them on the stage, which naturally would have a perfectly color temperature lights because you have control. Mm -hmm. And I did this on purpose because uh, that what makes the place look somehow subconsciously real because it's like you go on the street, everything is sodium orange and stuff. Of course, now everybody shoots orange because it's like everybody shoots green tubes and, and orange <laughs> lights. But we were, you know, I have to say we were the first ones to basically don't correct it. Just go go with the green green tubes. Go with the, the gaffers. So do you want to correct it? No, 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 it's fine. But that was the early. That, that's what that that's that's my generation. Yeah. yeah. And now it's, it's normal. It's common. Me and Connor are both uh, big time lovers of The Counselor from 2013. We we love 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 <laughs> that movie. Um, right. So I mean, a B side if there ever was one, just sure. in the sense of just yeah, you know, almost right. almost like the Rum Diary in the sense of there's a high pedigree and it's a it's beautiful, but unfortunately, kind of maybe a little left of center for. The audience that got sold it right to some degree, Cormac <laughs> McCarthy. It's like Cormac McCarthy. I always say it's like Cormac McCarthy's version of a comedy you would watch in hell, right? The, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like a very great, funny, brutal movie, and it's so stunningly beautiful. And, and the costumes are, you know, incredibly gorgeous. Which that was obviously a big part of that movie as well. John, yeah, John what, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was that? I mean, that's just a movie. I, I mean, I can't overstate how much that movie is very important to me. What, what was, what was that like? I know you've worked with Ridley a bunch. So obviously I know he's an efficient, he's an efficient filmmaker. I mean, uh, if you could just talk a little bit about that, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, that was, that was great. It was great cast. Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it was just a low budget film. It was like very small and we all took a cut in salaries and, 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 uh, and first, oh God, it was, he calls me up. He says, so I went to meet Cormac in Albuquerque. And he says, you know what? It's so beige. We're not shooting there. We're going to Mexico. We're going to Spain. <laughs> so really has this great comfort of, he's just, he's lived long enough. He wants to be comfortable. So we shot everything in Spain and in London, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. So everything is, so it's kind of shows. We were trying desperately to hide it. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't care. Really. Just, I mean, to the point where shooting scenes, you're blowing out the windows and, and, and there's, a, there's a double-decker goes by. Oh, that's great. <laughs> really, there was a double-decker. What do you mean? Oh, okay. Let's do it again. Because <laughs> so the, the film is Texas and Mexico, right? In Texas, yes. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. In, in, the end, no, in the end, in the end, I did go to, by myself, I went to El Paso mm. for like five days and did did stuff you know? just pickups and stuff yeah the, the pickups the car drivings and stuff and some plates that we put you know we the helicopter stuff over the border and mm. stuff you know do you uh do you remember what what was the camera on that one uh, and like just the lenses just out of curiosity it was red it was still red, just red. yeah it makes sense yeah i was i was a strong i mean believer in red yeah, it was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great looking movie. Like you're like you're talking about. It's you know, it's it speaks to the times where it looks complete, obviously completely different from the fan. You know what I mean? It's not, but it's but it's a to but it's crisp. You know, it's 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 uh the color, the color, the tone throughout that movie. It, there's like a twinge of kind of acid 
tonality <laughs> that 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 kind of it's funny me and connor have talked about this it almost feels in, in aesthetically almost like a tony scott movie a little bit right which that might be oh my god don't say that because it's 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 there's an there's a sad anecdote about it it's uh, well, I know because that was the, during that sad time with yeah. He committed suicide, literally while we were shooting it. Yeah. There was a scene. There was a scene. Yeah, that's a really sad story. There's a scene we were shooting, and 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 Tony really says, "Just just open open the windows." And we can't. It's London. Then. Oh, fuck it, open. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And because we had sheer curtains, and they, let's put the fan out there, so, so the curtains are blowing, and I'm. Praying, then it's not they're not gonna blow too far. So then we're gonna see London there. And then he comes to me, say, you know, my brother was ex was an expert in, in blowing curtains. Mm. And next day he committed suicide. Oh, God, that's so sad. So that's yeah. it's tricky that you mentioned that, you know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, not my intention. But 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 it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful movie, and I hope as the years go on, people kind of, and I think this is already happening. People are kind of rediscovering it as for what it is. I think it's hard movies like that because it's Ridley Scott, because it's Michael Fassbender, Brad Pitt, right? Penelope Cruz. I think there's this hope that it's going to be this four quadrant thing, and it's just but Ridley struggles with it, with it quite often because he still does his own thing, and mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And and sometimes it doesn't. We recently did an episode at the end of last year where we we went into a deep dive on uh, all the money in the world, um, which you shot with Ridley as well. Um, and we kind of spoke about that in the same way that it's it. One of the things that I think we both really like about that movie is the same kind of thing is that he's just sort of going to make the movie that he's going to make. Um, but it does it does seem like <clears throat> also the kind of film that that you know you've got your mark Wahlberg and your michelle williams and your christopher plumbers and all that um and and, and, uh, and uh also what's his name yeah yeah, yeah kevin spacey initially yeah, yeah. kevin spacey yeah, that was so and you funny. i would i have to imagine you were you were key probably crucial in all of those faint now now famous reshoots right yeah it was pretty surgical yeah <laughs> right like we all for we were it was so sweet because movie was cut. So we just basically, okay, we need this. We need this. We need this. There was just no discussion. You come in, put the camera, done. Were you like, look, I mean, you must have been like looking at the confidence at like the monitor, right? Like, were you like copying? We had to edit. We had a cut movie. Cut yeah. movie and all the scenes were exactly, you know, perfectly put together with knowing what shot we need. And I mean, to the degree that when there's a scene between Michelle and, 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 Christopher Plummer or Getty, uh, that we only use her for wide shots, and then mm -hmm. all the reactions we still use from from Kevin Spacey's performance because that she was on and she was just so good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we just so it's like it was absolutely surgical. Yeah. It is. I I I had recently uh, I had not seen the movie until the end of last year, and watching it, I was I was so impressed by that. It felt. Um, it felt like just such, seamless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just felt like, uh, as Dan's been saying, you know, Ridley's such an efficient filmmaker, but it felt to me like such an impressive undertaking from a production standpoint. Um, and, Last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it felt like this big, uh, it, I, I don't think it can go overstated how successful that push to do that turnaround was. Cause it, it feels seamless. 
Um, the only only Ridley could do that. Yeah, right? Right, I mean, what right. you say? <laughs> there was literally I was in DI on Monday. On Tuesday we were supposed to have a DI. We have it that I'm in LA, he's in London, so we look at the same screen and you know. So on Tuesday we're supposed to have DI together, and then Stefan tells me about end of Monday. You know, he canceled it. What if, why, did, why did he cancel it? I come home and they call. Hey, listen, you might be coming to England in three days. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little more to it. Yeah, so That's I mean, that, uh, but you know, in the same time, he has an amazing production. Everyone is so efficient that it's we can pull it off. Yeah. And we we should say so you you mentioned earlier you're you're currently uh, filming House of Gucci with him now and you just finished the last duel right not too long ago right yeah last duel well. last duel I hate to it's this is gonna be my I think my uh, best work I've ever done and 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 I think it's gonna be the most powerful movie I've ever done. Oof, really? Oh, that's that's great. exciting. Yeah, we're both. We're both. Uh, that's a high no, watermark. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't want to jinx it, but it's from my perspective. You know, my judgment can be completely wrong. My judgment. <laughs> the movies I was, Yeah, you never know. You know. Is there? Is there? We, I know uh, we don't want to keep you too 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 long. I, I know. Uh, I know you have to go go soon. Is there anything? Is there any movie in your amazing CV, your amazing career? that you look back i mean there's been so many like we've gone through a lot of them is there anything you would kind of point to and say i'm specifically proud of that i know they're all different and i don't want to put you on the spot but i mean even if it's a smaller movie or something like that um and does anything jump out at you just as like maybe specifically different or you know specifically difficult or something like that Mm. you know this every movie has its own different challenges so it's hard to say it's like yeah it's you know, like Crow was basically, it was like we've accumulated, we, the desire to make a film is so strong when you're that age and you've done all your commercials, you've done all your, all your, all your footwork to get to that place. So obviously this is like the movie of your life. So you put everything in there. And when I look back, I don't know if I would be able to do it. You know, it's just like, it's just diff- different time in your life, different energy, different and also there's a tragedy involved with that mm-hmm. so that yeah then uh, you know every movie was very special every movie was very special every, i i don't think they hire me to make easy movies you know so well, cer- <laughs> cer- cer- certainly not I mean, actually no, recently it gets pretty simple because because really doesn't like to shoot nights and everything so it's pretty pretty organized and uh comfortable 10 hour days because you know he just doesn't want to work any longer and uh but the movie that i did last duel i think it's i have huge hopes for you know i haven't seen the final film he's gonna show it to us here i saw i saw half of the film cut because we had to stop because of covid so i saw half of that and that was very long and it was just so powerful and mm. not knowing that we still have to shoot second half of the film was that. Oh, that's so, so great. That, that's all I saw. You know, it's a story about a 14th century rape. Right. From, persp- from it's like Rashomon from three different perspectives, from perspective of the husband, the rapist, and the finalist perspective of the wife. So it's, it's a 14th century going to 21st century 
you know, even though everything is possible, it's, it has a very contemporary kind of resonance, and and and, 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 and its performances are phenomenal. This Matt Damon is just like you never recognize him, hmm. and Adam Driver and 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 Jodie Comer, who's she doesn't even know how famous she's going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, she was in this film Killing Eve in this TV mm-hmm. show. Yes, of course. Yeah. And uh, and Ben Affleck and all the supporting. It, it's, it's you know, and you have, yeah, it's incredible. Very powerful. And, and yeah, I think my best work of photographic because they pushed it like it's just, they're very dark, but it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh well, we're looking. I mean, yeah, that, that, exci- that, that's exciting. I, I don't. I don't want to over advertise. We're not jinxing. We're not going to. We're not no, going to unload. We're not jinxing no, no, anything. It's not going to be great. No, no. <laughs> we're excited. Um. So, any. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll, as we're wrapping up with you, we'll encourage people seek out news of the world. Um. It's you know it's obviously out and about and everywhere. Um. You know, it's a like you said, it's a it's an, a a well worth uh, a, a well deserved long waiting. Uh, Oscar nomination is that something where I mean do, were you Darius were you uh, were you ecstatic when you got it or you, you kind of like don't 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 really give it too much of a of a thought well, you know, I wouldn't say I don't give it you know of course yeah. you're happy it's right, right. hypocritical of course you you're pleased and stuff but you know it's like yeah it's it's a strange thing Oscars you know it's like it's just yeah it's like it's just, it's just like a separate beast you know and whatever mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you 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 have this thing, your you your style, you know, as much obviously cinematographer is a collaborator like everybody else on a set, you know, so styles obviously change. But I always think like someone like this is might be feel free to tell me this is reductive and and I'm wrong. I'm happy to be told that. But like somebody like John Toll, right, for example, who's a master of course. I always think like when I see one of his movies, I'm like, "Oh yeah, like everyone you can almost feel like they're there's a way he does it and it's amazing. And it's, a, but, but I feel like the, the kind of amazing thing with you is you've done a lot of different approaches throughout your career. Like, like you're saying a movie from the nineties you've done, isn't going to look necessarily like, you know, yeah. news of the world. And I think, am I way off base? I mean, is no, John right. the same right. yeah. I mean, you're right because, you know, every movie is a different, you know, it's like, I mean, the best thing is like you start a movie like you've never done it before. You know, that's mm. the best way to think about it. You know, start yeah. new. I mean, of course, it's easy for me to say because I've done enough. So it's, it's uh, some <laughs> stuff becomes subconscious. But but approach from the beginning should be like that. Like this film, because it's like high fashion, 80s, 90s, it's going to be a little different. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, yeah. Mm. I'm just I'm still trying to find a look for it because it's, it's you know, 80s wasn't just like it's a good looking period and this whole like a fashion world all this fashion shows were not that great looking you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny that's a good point it's like like you look at all this stuff and then the big coats and stuff you know but so it's a bit of a kind of kitschy uh funny tragic tragedy you know like a like a high-end soap opera that's what it is I love that. With Wilson, with a crazy cast. With yeah. Al Pacino. I know. I mean, Al Pacino, Lady Gaga, everybody. Adam I, Driver. I called him Michael five times by mistake. No, Michael Corleone. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's got to be a compliment. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> 50 years later, he's yeah. still... He's, everybody kicks that. 
It's out. It's out. <laughs> I, I know, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connor, do you have any any last last words for our esteemed guest? No, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Um, lo- love love the work you've you've done, and uh, after what you've said about both uh, Gucci and Last Duel, uh, both very excited to to see what comes of those. Um, and. Uh, Good luck on April 25th, I suppose. Yes. Good luck, sir. I, I, I can't even go there because it's like it's like it's the complete nonsense, but it's okay. I, I've seen I know it is it is a nonsense situation <laughs> it, it, happening. It is, it's yeah. Actually a great excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know you're good. You're working, you know, who knows? You can that's what it is. That's happy to be employed. That's what that's exactly. <laughs> well, Darius, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be rooting for you in a few weeks there, and congratulations on and an amazing career. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Great. Great. Of course. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. What a mensch. What a gentleman. Yeah. Like we said, um, a great, you know, 30 plus minutes talking about how how excited are you for the last duel? I know. So that's the thing we we were talking about (laughs) in the intro. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, look, he, he said it, I feel like, you know, it's his opinion and who, whatever, you know, sure. Know, like, like we mentioned, it's, it takes, you know, it takes three to tango, uh, two to tango, whatever the saying is in terms of filmmaking. But yeah, I mean, I love Ridley. I love what Walski and Ridley do together. So I'm incredibly excited. And like, you know, I think I mentioned, you know, re you know, rewatching the counselor mm-hmm. only kind of, emboldened my love for it so yeah agreed agreed i really you know it's funny their 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 stint together is quite like we like all the money in the world more than most people find okay uh, yeah i was but just like, gonna say we're sort of i think bigger defenders of late stage ridley but like alien covenant movie. alien covenant i love very good okay yeah. Prom- prometheus i do not love but i would say if I ever revisit it, and I'm sure I will. At and some we should point. know. I mean, very good looking movie, though. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm just saying, if between the two, I'm yeah. certainly more of an Alien Covenant fan. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and I even, I mean, I we did not. Those are not B sides, so we did not talk with Darius about those movies. I love the texture of Covenant a bit more than Prometheus. Prometheus feels they do feel visually different to me. Um, anyway, but um. But yeah, like when you think about the counselor, the Martian, for God's sake, like, like th- these are these are well, these are great looking films. Yeah, you know, and, and really, um, um, as you mentioned, like it's distinctive necessarily, right? Like it's not, and and this is sort of meant to be a compliment, but like you could you, I wouldn't necessarily guess that the same dude who shot the counselor or the Martian shot alien covenant right yeah Um, yeah. now that said if you tell me the guy who shoots dark city shoots prometheus right or alien covenant that tracks a little more right and obviously you'll always have like certain overlaps like that but also the tones of those movies are all very similar dark sci-fi what have you but um but yeah like all all really good looking movies also all the money in the world very good looking movie I think that was a fascinating little bit to talk about just also on the heels of us at the end of last year, kind of doing the deep dive into that movie on our Mark Wahlberg episode. Um, That was kind of fun to talk about just to sort of confirm all the things I had in my head of like, of like, I know how hard that was. And yeah, how hard it was, but also like 
how brutally efficient it seemed where it's like, yeah, wouldn't you just put the edit in front of you and then decide like, oh, we need that shot, that shot, that shot, and that shot. And that's how you yeah. get it done. And it, it seems like that's exactly what they did. And, and that's the kind of stuff sort of to your point earlier that no one really talks about um, in terms of the larger filmmaking process. Like that's, that's a group of people doing the work and doing it efficiently and like doing it well. And it's, it is kind of funny. And this is something I was talking about when I was mentioning Christopher Plummer uh, in our Mark Wahlberg episode, but you know, at the time when he got nominated for that movie, um, it felt almost like a courtesy, like, thanks for coming in. Thanks for saving a movie type thing. Right. And to look back at that movie and to even kind of hear Darius confirm it in terms of the way that they shot it, like the ability of an actor to just turn on and be like, Oh, you just need this thing. Like you just need me to say this thing to like up yeah. against a performance that well, isn't I mean, even currently being given, you know, like that's, we, the, uh, that's the type yeah. of stuff that I think is super impressive. And I think people don't, you know, people don't see the process, so they don't get a chance to appreciate, but I love hearing people talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's, I think, you know, and I, I'm going to link to a few different interviews with Darius Wolski in the article. Um, I mentioned one of them. He does, he did a, I think for the sim, I think for the cinematographer's guild, he did a, a nice conversation with Shelly Johnson, who's also a cinematographer of talking about news of the world. I'll link to that Vimeo. And then there's a couple other smaller bits I'll link to as well. And he's very open about process, like we said. And I think what's nice about him and how he talks about it is it's very matter of fact. And it's like a guy going to work. And I think yeah. sometimes I get a little tired when you we brought up the auteur theory, but just in general, like this idea that any guy or gal, there needs to like things need to be brutal and tragic and impossible for them to be good where like obviously this is a guy Darius who has dealt with incredibly tough sets I mean he even mentions it himself right the crow said of course sure. all the money in the world we talk about the counselor with what was happening with Tony Scott so sad right there are these you know multitude of of sets he had where he had to deal with these elements but at the same time, he's had great experiences and like working with a guy like Ridley Scott, who's like famously efficient. I kind of just sometimes wish that stuff was celebrated more. And like you run into this stuff of like, oh, Clint Eastwood, two, you know, 10 hour days, you know, two takes. And it's, I feel like you get this mix of it's regarded as masterful by some, regarded as like old man being lazy or whatever by others. I which I that's and I, I, I just, think that, what, that's that's a that's a bad take. But like, but um, I just sometimes wish. And this, I mean, I guess this sounds, I guess this sounds kind of corporate in the way I'm saying it, but I don't mean it that way. I. I guess I kind of wish like efficient, good work got rewarded more. And look, I mean, sure, here's sure. the thing. We work, you know, I'm a producer, you're a post-producer. Like we, our jobs are really hard. Like you, you, you know, we, we do things that, that are wind up, you know, in, but you know, they're commercials basically, you know, most of the time. And it's like, it's hard work. Like you, you, you find pride in stuff you never thought you'd find find pride in in terms of the content because you know what you put into it. And I'm not saying I deserve 
a, an award. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like a guy like Wolski, you know, takes his lunch pail, goes to work and works at the same pace, making the same decisions. And he's like giving you stuff like Dark City and News of the World. And it's like, I'm just, and it just makes me happy that like he gets to make his first Western and he gets his first nomination. And sure. it's like, that's nice to and see. No, no, no. I totally agree. And I think the other part of what you're talking about, and this is a personal preference, it, but I think it does, it, I think to, for you listener, maybe to make it more relatable, but I think it, I think it does feed into that that joy or desire or entertainment that comes from watching a human or you you do their, do something and do it well. Right. It's the reason, you know, uh, and obviously I'm not the first to say this, but like, it's the reason Michael Mann movies are like the fucking best. Right. Because that's like at the heart of so many of his very good movies. Right. It's just that like efficient, process and 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 professionalism that you're like oh yeah like i like this right there's this con there's a confidence to it right it's the reason it's the reason that uh i feel like i wouldn't like mission impossible movies as as much as i do if i didn't work in production right like there's this thing where you just oh that's interesting specifically yeah. live production right at t- at times right but that thing of like seeing things suddenly slip out of your hands and having to make quick decisions and then having it pay off there's like a real uh just a real satisfaction to that in my well and that's in my I, mind. Then, and i was happy we yeah and i was happy we even briefly mentioned that with darius about the pirates movies were like i recently rewatched the first three only about a month ago i don't know mm-hmm. and those movies have grown in my estimation over time as i think they have for many people and i think, I think at least the i mean certainly the first one and i, I think the two i think the first i think the trilogy i think the, the first original, yeah the because, first three have kind of gotten reappraised a little bit and i think part of it is because those sequences that some of which we mentioned in in the talk that's like real stuff happening that's those are real people those are pas those are mm-hmm. grips those are you know gaffers the acs you know dps like like walski like making that shit happen that's not just like i mean yeah is there green screen involved in elements sure. right of background and whatever like sure I mean, his you know, little I'd bit imagine. about like you know i'd had like my son's friend being like oh it all looked blue screen or whatever and he's like motherfucker we went on a boat and we shot it and- well that's one of my favorite <laughs> you know we, we brought up clint eastwood earlier um somewhat early on in his directing career eastwood made you can look the story up uh eastwood made a movie called the Iger sanction which is just like an action movie um that I think some people like a lot. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it, but in the middle of the picture, he's like on a wire on a what do you what would you call it? like a, not a gondola but like a like a, a, like a gondola like a, like a cable like a cable car exactly, and he's like I think it's either he's like hanging on the wires or on the cable car or something. He's hanging. And he talks about how when he was directing the movie, he was like, okay, I want, you know, the helicopter, I want it, you know, I want you to push all the way in on my face so everybody knows that I was the one who did this. Like, you know, I'm doing this stunt. I want everybody to know. And he says he went to like an early, you know, preview screening of it. And these two ladies were uh, in front of him at the screening. And the one lady turned the other lady and was like, gosh, how do they do that? And he's like, ah, it's all special effects. And then he, and he decided he was never going to like risk, risk doing, doing, doing stuff that. like that ever again. Yeah. Cause he was just like, you I, know. I was going to say, you reminded me of like, there was that, um, 
from like two years ago or whatever. There was that, uh, or me, I don't want to misrepresent this. It was either the very long Christopher McQuarrie interview with Empire, or it was a, one of the light the fuse podcast episodes with chris mcquarrie it was one of those right, two yeah. and I who's, to say? who's to, who's to say? say i can't yeah. remember i don't want to piss any of those people off but light the fuse great yeah. podcast. yeah it's a very good podcast i like it very much um but he had said at one point where uh he was like all the shots where you don't think it could be tom it's tom and then all the shots where you assume it is tom it's not tom like in terms of like, like there will be shots of his hand or the back of his head. That's actually his stand in because, you know, he was shooting a stunt somewhere else or whatever. Right. But then all the things of him on the whatever, like a fucking motorcycle or the side of a building or something. It's like, you know, you'd go, oh, that's not him, but it's him. Right. And it's that's the type of stuff that it's, you know. Well, and what I you know, it's funny. I was just reading like something about Brad Pitt in that that new David Lee. Is it the David Leach movie Bullet Train or something where like <laughs> there's a news there's a news item where he's like Brad did 95 percent of his stunts like and I do like that that's become something that well, that's people what I was gonna say. That, that oh, okay, you sort of yeah. need to do that now, right? Like that's going to well, almost because yeah. of the Clint Eastwood thing. It's like, if you really are going to take the time to do it, you may as well advertise it. Like, you, you know, you may as well, like just totally. Well, I remember like yeah, state that. early Statham, you know, that was the thing that people admired about him was like, you know, he's a former athlete, former tough guy, all yeah. that stuff. He basically does all of his own stunts, you know, former, former fighter uh, of some regard. So like, um, and I mean, to just to bring it back to Wolski and like those pirates movies, like I remember specifically when that first one came out, I remember they were like very much like, no, like we're putting boats in the water. We're getting on the water. Like, you know, like, or even if it's a boat in a tank, it's at least like we're on a boat that's moving, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Kind of it's just like way more practical and, and crazy than you think it would be. And it, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of stuff that you don't, you don't see because of the magic of movies. And so it just totally will never, ever, ever get, get thought about. Well, and yeah. And, and, and similarly, a thing that, that Darius, uh, he mentioned to us, and he says, I think, quite a bit in his interviews, which I think is an interesting... I like hearing a DP say this. Overlighting is something he seems to be a, a DP who doesn't like to do, right? Like right. He wants to find the right light or two or three that mm -hmm. is needed for the scene. And that, because look, we know this God from the commercial where Jesus, like, I mean, I, you know, overlighting is an easy way to just cover your bases. So like you make no choices, right? right. Like, sure, sure. Like, and that's like, whatever, interview lighting, fill lighting, you know, key lighting, right. You know, like three point lighting, all that stuff. Like you can, if you've ever seen an inter interview that feels particularly flat, right, where there's like no texture, no shadow, mm -hmm. that would be overlighting, right? Where you just kind of go like, oh, it just feels very it, bright. Well, it's just and safe. There's no it's just safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a lot of comedies are lit like that, right? I think like Judd Apatow, I think, gets knocked sometimes for his movies looking like that. But I think the thing is you run into this with comedies is like 
it's all about the performance. So I think sometimes the decision makes sense because it's like, well, you don't want people to be like sculpted in shadow like it's noir. Right, you I mean, don't want to You don't want to like, like, distract from the performance with something yeah. else. So you so, 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 so I get that. And it's like, you know, it's like sitcoms. I mean, that's, the, you know, they're literally a wash with light above them mm-hmm. and around. I mean, sure. that's the whole deal, right? So it's like, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think like if you're somebody like Wolski who, you know, and if you uh, you'll you'll hear this in one of the links uh, in the article when he's talking about Dark City, you know, the whole thing with the bringing in the street lamps, right? That he talks about when we talk with him, and mm-hmm. he's talked about before. He's basically saying like, bring in the street lamps because that's what you're looking for. Like, the thing you want, right? Like Preuss wants mm-hmm. this quote unquote weird, you know, top down, you know, you know brutalist type of a look sure right? very high contrast stark. that's real life yeah. i mean that's walking down a street where all you have is a street lamp i mean that's brutalist lighting with nobody dping anything yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. basically being like just grab them put them into the set you're gonna get it without me having to do anything and it's like let me just tell you as a as a producer who has worked <laughs> for over a decade I love the idea of an amazing Oscar nominated DP being like, what if we use less lights? I would kiss that person. I'd be like, <laughs> yes. Less setup time? Yes, please. God, thank you. Like, and it'll look better. Well, like, but until that person tells you, hey, all those street lights, we gotta just bring them in. We well, that's just- a different thing. But like, but like you'll hear in one of the links, uh, he talk, it's about most I think this person in this YouTube link just like cut out a great seven minutes from commentary, probably from like the dark city, you know, Blu-ray DVD or something. Um, He talks about a particular scene where there's a practical in this, like, you know, this apartment scene um, where this like paranoid person, you know, crazy quote unquote crazy person is like, has all these designs over the walls. And he points out there's a practical, right? And it's like, you can even see the practical, right? It's a practical, practical. I mean, that uh, a practical means in the sense of lighting, it fits into the scene. Right, so like a it, lamp or a... It, it serves yeah. as a practical set piece, but also actually gives you your light, right? That's what that means. And he says like, that's, he he mentions it in the scene and he says that's the only light they used and they, to, for their coverage, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, if I were Alex Proyas and my DP suggested that and it looked as good as that scene looks, I mean, that's the shit where it's like, that's the real, the real fucking expert shit is yeah. like, is like, you're so confident. You're so pro. You're so experienced. You're like, no, 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 dude, the practical will do the work. Just let it do the work. Like, yeah. Don't worry about and the fill, the backlighting, like fuck all that. Yeah. Yeah. Let the and practical do that. That's amazing. It, it is, it, like you said, is it is some real expert shit. And because of it, I will say there's no wonder that he's someone who is a is a champion of digital filmmaking. Right? Because saying. it's that's exactly because right. it's like yes. it's like, yeah, okay. So the stuff we used to do that maybe we would worry about you're telling me we can still do all that stuff and now we don't have to worry about it as much like yeah that's great that's great you know and, I, and we don't i, I can and, appreciate and, that and we don't get into it too too much when we talk about that shootout scene but but and i know i mentioned this even in the intro a bit but like the the thing with digital which now looks so great in the world of 4k and 8k and blah 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 is you know, the camera bodies are still very small if you're talking about Alexa, if you're talking about Red, right, and the different models. So, like, operators can 
I mean, they're not DSLRs or whatever, which are like literally like they look like still, you know, cameras. But I mean, they're not much bigger than they're not much bigger, right? The bodies yeah. themselves. So it's like you can get into the little, you know, soft corners of that scene where they're like, you know, one guy's on top of a rock. Tom Hanks is under the rock. And like you can like look up with Tom Hanks on location and um that's not necessarily something you would have been able to do with 35 millimeter and the huge body that comes with it back in the day without some serious kind of production design and you know what i mean some um, on location kind of rearranging and the other the i mean the other thing that i think is interesting is and he darius kind of mentioned this is like obviously part of this you're 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 sort of democratizing the way some of these things can look now, right? So someone almost any, to the point where almost anybody with even a modest budget can get their hands on something that's right. Gonna make, he says that, that, yeah, that, that right. that's going to make their movie look good. Now, I do think he's selling himself short a little bit because you still do need someone behind that camera to like make the right decisions and like know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, th- of course. That you still need good shooters, that kind of thing. But he makes a really good point in the sense of you are eliminating kind of any obstacles and therefore excuses, right? Like it's well, you know, and it's funny. He mentions my zoom lighting. lighting. Sure. And it's funny. I, I didn't want to waste time talking about that. The obviously, but what made me laugh is when he said that is, you know, my office, right. I, my windows right on my left. Right. So for my 11 AM calls, right. And it, our our interview was like around that time, a little later. But but midday, the way that light hits through, I often don't turn on my lamp right. or my sure. yeah, my above headlight yeah, in yeah. my room, just because. And this is just when you know, not because I'm a genius lighter, but because it just looks better. Like it's like yeah, any anyone with an eye would know that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, my the left side of my face is a little, little bit more, but the texture on my right, sculpted by the shadows, by the darkness, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it's a more beautiful frame, and I just love that he mentioned that because I was like, oh, that's so freaking funny. Because I get on those Zoom calls, and I often <laughs> will not turn the light on. Then my wife will come in like later. She'll be like, why is the light not on? And it's really just because I was like, wow, because it looks better without it on. Without it on, <laughs> you know. And it's like to your point. There's no lights at all. Of course, I'm not turning on any, you know, I'm not lighting this at all. That's just the sun. So it's like, you know, that's another example of just kind of knowing what you have. And um, anyway, we're going deep, very specific about a lot of things. But, I, you know, I hope it speaks to kind of our amazing guest and kind of his ability to... No, I mean, I, it's again, it's one of those things you know, I, you know, he, he was generous enough to give us, uh, to give us 40 minutes and I could have talked to him for three I know. hours, you know, like I just could have picked his brain forever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, if you were excited about us going in depth on any of the movies he mentions, I do apologize, but a part of it is because, you know, Dan and I spoke about it and I, up between a perfect murder and, uh, and the counselor specifically, right. uh, I think those will be movies that we will have for sure uh, go into deep dives on this podcast, uh, 100%, 100%. both because of our affinity for them and because, uh, you know, they just uh, I, I deserve to be talked about in a, in a certain way. But um, 
but yeah, I guess uh, with, with anything else you want to add, Dan, before we wrap? No, up no. I mean, I you know, I know it sounds like I'm plugging, but I mean it. Watch News of the World. It's worth you know a, yep. a rental, a buy. You know, I, I, I if you can if you have 4K capabilities, get the 4K because, like we said, the look is is the best part about it. Not even you know the Tom Hanks and everything is great too, but but um, but uh, Tom Hanks, little known actor. Tom but Hanks. Darius yeah. Wolski does amazing work, and I hope he wins. I mean, I really I freaking hope he well, freaking wins. Maybe I'll have to go back and edit this all out or whatever. Uh, if he doesn't, it but- feels like it feels like the type of year, obviously, and the type of movie. Because I feel like this. I mean, this is me totally talking off the dome here, but cinematography does feel like one of this is going to sound this is not this is not meant to be as insulting as it's going to sound but cinematography often to me feels like one of the truest oscar categories where Mm. a lot of times it does feel like the person who actually did the best job will be nominated and might win Win. just because it's such a specific thing noticeable it's like when deacons won for blade runner it was like yeah i mean what's funny is as we said deacons was nominated like us you know a million million times times before there never won so it's like but (laughs) but but yes i mean to watch blade runner 2049 you thought to yourself i'm sure well my god if you can't win for this he's never gonna like you know and if anyone you know which is great you know but um anyway we're rooting for him yes Um, yes we 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 again we thank him for his time uh you can follow me at DJ Mecca on Twitter, as as always. Um, check out at Fathom Stories. There's a new, as as you're listening to this, there's a new story up that I'm very proud of. It's uh, audio only, no no soundtrack, no 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 music, no real dialogue, all sound design, ASMR kind of style. Uh, should be disturbing, hopefully. Oh, head, headphones obviously recommended. It's the disposal of a body uh, is the idea. And it's all ASMR kind of sound design. That's the So that's the story currently new and up on Fathom Stories on Twitter. And, you know, you can – it's a podcast, so you can listen to that wherever you listen to this. Um, so please, please check that out because I'm very proud of that. And, uh, Connor, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, you can, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Look, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFSBside. Um, once again, just reiterating, uh, you should watch news of the world. Dan and I both earnestly like it very much. And, uh, you can find it on 4k Blu-ray, Blu-ray and VOD. Um, so do, do please check that out. If you have the means, um, it's a, it's a very good movie. Darius does great work in it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it for this one. Um, we are, uh, as Dan said, we are eager to see where uh, what happens to Darius come Oscar night. But uh, until then, Darius, if you are by chance listening, good luck, sir, and thank you.